Earth, it's time to enter the spoiler burst via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts John and Kenrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. If you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on SpoilerVerse.com. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us or use a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan, that's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, we're introducing a whole new podcast that is coming out on the Spoilerverse.com network. And actually, you've got a couple shows out now, and it's Greg Smith, Travis Webb. We're talking narrative gunslingers. How are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. I'm overwhelmed by that intro. Our intro is not nearly that cool. This <laughs> is very rehearsed and very greased. Ours is very not polished. It I is like even, we need some brasso. I can't even say people's names right. It's very true. <laughs> if you go back in the way back machine into our first couple episodes, our first episode was just like, hey, are, are, are we on? Yeah. Are we recording? <laughs> yeah, are we on? Yeah. So, yes. uh, hi, I'm John, and that's Kenrick, and this is the show. It was very much, it progressed <laughs> into that show over about 200 or 150 episodes yeah and then now it's a thing so, yeah. so we got time it's, uh, yeah, yeah yeah you got time Woo. i started doing that like like back in i don't know what, what episode it was i started getting more and more like that and it just naturally started getting faster and heavier and then people started sending us clips of them mimicking <laughs> my intro nice and then we we're like okay now we got something and now it's awesome yeah <laughs> It was great. Yeah. So narrative gunslingers, man. Yeah. What is the deal? What's the idea? How cool is this? This is a, a Travis Webb creation. Travis. Nice. Well, that was really unfair, Greg. <laughs> what the heck? That's what we do. That's all he does. He sets me up for everything. He's like, you know what? I'm going to use a cool voice. I'm going to vomit all over the microphone and then pass it to Travis to make it his fault. And Travis, who isn't paying attention because he's scrolling through Facebook, is going to go, what? Who are you talking to again? What are we promoting? Who is our guest? Oh my gosh! <laughs> On the air, every time. Uh, I like this already. Yeah, so that's your stick. Just not knowing what's going on. I like it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty much every episode. It's just like it, it is just that. But um, have you guys had anybody just pissed off? Um, no. I think I don't we did think have so. one guest, but uh, I don't. I won't say who that was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> enough, I don't think. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if that audio. Oh, you know, dude, 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 that's too much information. <laughs> we'll figure it out if we ever get him back. <laughs> I didn't say anything. Oh I, I didn't say You're anything close. about anything. I just You're said close. that. You're close. I figured no. out who it is, though. You, I hope this is exactly how the podcast goes. Uh, I've been on this podcast, and it is. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. <laughs> it's, a, it's a train wreck and a dumpster fire on top of a sinking failboat all at the same time. But yet, nice. we take you on a journey, and we deliver. 
like Mr. McFeely. <laughs> you are literally saying everything and nothing at the same time. Yeah, really? Like this, You're saying a lot of yeah. words. Travis, <laughs> they don't mean shit. This is how I do it. And that's how it gets done. It's like a, Greg is the master baffler, man. Like a oh. McDonald's Big Mac. It, like it, you think it's going to be good, but as soon as you put it in your mouth, you're like, why did I do this? Dude, I don't even do a Big Mac. I don't do a Big Mac anymore. I get myself, I get myself the Dirty Birdie. That's a McDouble and 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 the chicken sandwich. And you take them apart, you put them together. There you go, Dirty the Birdie. Dirty Birdie. That's dirty gross. Birdie. That is wrong. And you should feel bad for. Now that actually sounds kind of good. I'm oh my god, yeah. Jesus. Mind blowing. It sounds like a heart attack on a bun. It really does. It really does. <laughs> you know how you know McDonald's is wrong. When their regular oh. cheeseburger is better than most Krispy Kreme donuts. Has anyone oh, else noticed that? <laughs> that cheeseburger <laughs> tastes like a pastry. Food hack. Food hack. You go and you get that Krispy Kreme donut. You cut that bad boy in half. You go get that dirty bird. And then you put that in the Krispy Kreme donut, my friend. That's gross. Oh, God. The dirty bird. I, all I can think of is the trailer park boys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Oh God! So I don't think you answered the question of what is narrative gunslinger yet at all. He just yeah. said a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is why Michael Tanner writes most of Junior Braves. Oh, yeah. oh. oh. oh the pain! Oh my gosh! It was that was that was hurtful. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to take shot out shot right. at it with substance. Yes, please. There you it's go. a podcast. That yes, that is a hundred percent. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. It oh, is a podcast. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, it's a show about uh, what, what what leads a creator to become a creator. Uh, we bring in creators that we know or we've met, and we say, "Hey, what what inspired you to create? What inspired you to be a writer? What inspired you to be a dancer? What inspired? What story, movie, book, comic?" was the one that flipped that switch for you. And let's tear it apart and make it sound like crap. We'll send them a send the hell out nice. of it. Nice. Because those are our sound yeah, effects. Yeah. That's what we use. The pew, 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 pew. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We shoot some holes. <laughs> well, Travis is. I, I, hilarious. I play the. I play the. I play the. Let's. Let's. You know. Let's. 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 Let's put a bandaid on it. Oh, let's, we let's walk that around. Other it. guy really mad too because I try to trip tri- trip him up with a Star Wars comment and he lost his temper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 See, about that's it, what we, we might have pissed off, or at least I have pissed off almost every guest at this point. You. You. You've had. You've had one guest. You've had one guest. Um, message me after the fact and ask why. <laughs> just, why. just why? Are you serious? Just why? Just why? why Travis? Why? Uh, uh, and I said, awesome. I'm not Travis. He goes, No, no. Why? Why? <laughs> why Travis? And, 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 and I'm still waiting for an answer, Craig. Why I, Travis? I, I, I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to call him out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my, my god. god. So. <laughs> What we're gonna we're gonna queue up an episode yes. and play it full right now. Huh. And what are we gonna hear today? Today you're going to hear uh it is an interview that we did with uh we did with uh Grace. Uh oh man, I'm gonna I, I see this is my t- my turn to, to Yeah, you're literally the bungle. one who schedules these. I know. I schedule I schedule the uh the it the the interviews and then 
Travis usually butchers the names and I'm butchering the name right now, Grace Moore. And she is one of the co-hosts of Women at Warp, a podcast about Star Trek. And uh, she's also a writer and a weirdo as her Twitter bio describes. And uh, she, uh, she came on and talked about all sorts of stuff. We actually had fantastic conversation uh, discussing so many things. It wasn't just about one thing in particular. That's the best part about this whole entire episode. Are we, are we not going to say what the subject matter is? Because I feel like we can tell them what the subject is. It's the name of the show. Yeah. Jaws! I was going to call it yeah. Cop vs. Shark, but... Cop versus Shark. Cop versus Shark. No. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Jaws is a better name, Greg. This is, is why you don't come name. up with names. Yeah, this is why Tanner came up with Junior Braves of the Apocalypse. Bus man, man, I strongly disagree. Well, on that happily positive note, oh, I'll be quiet. <laughs> yeah, you, you be quiet. Can edit this it's part your out, time. Travis. Wait, before this is what I b- do before all we get the time. into I it. Sit there and I edit all the stuff. Actually, we'll get. I got a question, yeah. but I'm going to wait till after the show. Oh. Yeah, so let's listen to it. Okay. Yeah. So let's take a listen right now. Right now. Gunslingers to another episode of Narrative Gunslingers. Oh, we got to work on this opening where we talk about creators and the power of narrative in their lives. As always, he came in slinging with that gunslinger intro. <laughs> he did. He was like, bow, bow. Oh, no. I think it's the first time I blew that. Go, go, Greg, go. Oh, okay. As always, your show hosts are Travis Webb and myself, Greg Smith. Today's guest is Grace Moore. Grace Moore, at, did you like this? <laughs> She is a person, and she talks on the I internet. What the script that I'm supposed to say next, and it doesn't make any <laughs> sense for me to say it. This is a sentence. No, I know. I'm sorry. I got. I, I got sidetracked. Greg, introduce Grace. Grace Moore is a is the co-host of Women at Warp podcast, and writes reviews at womenatwarp.com. I feel like like if that's like putting a question mark at the end of a sentence when you have me read it, because I'll read the question mark. You just did that to me. That's not coming. Grace, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. And I'm so excited to sling guns with you guys. My chair is really (laughs) extra noisy today. I'm sorry, everyone. It's all right. Slinging guns and chairs. His his chair is always so noisy. It's almost like the third third host, the the chair. You got to make like an icon for it and make sure that it has its own feed in the recording. Squeaky oh. chair. I, I was going to fix it and literally I was like putting it off. And then they're like, hey, uh, things are happening in the world. And you can't go to the hardware store to get oil for your chair. And I was like, oh, well, that worked out well. <laughs> Maybe lean into it and like squeak it extra often and be like, oh, that's our buddy Squeaky the chair there. <laughs> I I think the first time it scared it scared the the first guest like they're like what is that? <laughs> it's the chair. It's just my chair. All right. So ambient noise is always the extra host. Just, before we get into the actual normal podcast thing, 
I would like to go back to what we were talking about before we hit record. Grace, what was your advice? Patreons. Tell us about how Patreon works. <laughs> anytime you've got extra content, Patreon exclusive. Just anytime you've got like outtakes or extra recorded conversations, you can make that a Patreon exclusive. Make your ramblings work for you. And that is my free advice for today. Great. Maybe we can get chair oil. We got. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I don't know why I'm, I'm telling thought. you, lean into it. Start making merch for Squeaky the Chair. Oh my goodness! We that's what we're gonna do. It's <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna have to happen now. Yeah, okay, but I do want a cut of that. Oh, uh, give me a cut of those sweet, sweat Squeaky the Chair. So, squeaky the Chair properties. actually has history, which is why he's squeaky. <laughs> uh, he, I used to own a nightclub. And You're kidding? No, true story. Huge nightclub. True story. Um, a, a major nightclub in Seattle. And uh, they used to call me the Rave King in Seattle for many years. And uh, I'm imagining your crown. Please continue. So you ever watch movies and they always have like a nightclub owner who has all these connections and like ladies and like the life, you know, like Lucifer. Yes, I know. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. No fucking way in hell. (laughs) As an owner of a nightclub that would dwarf (laughs) all those clubs, by the way. Right. I can tell you right now, most of my nights, I was locked in my office trying to get a nap in before Netflix movies, hoping that it'd be 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. soon so we could shut the damn thing down and I could go watch anime until I fall asleep. And this is when they're still sending discs. The reality is so much more glamorous than the fiction. And there would be people like so that people would like do interviews with me and I'd be on TV and stuff. And. People would come to the nightclub and they had that expectation, especially young people who were just, of course, just, yeah. just turned 21. And actually we had a, we had an 18 and over area too. That was on the other side of the bar with a pony wall. And uh-huh. people would be like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Cause you know, I did have an okay car, you know, and they would be, had this, this image of who I was. So once in a while, someone after weeks would talk to me and they're like, Hey, do you mind if I get a ride home with you? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. So we go back to my house and in my mind, I'm like, we're gonna go back to the house. You can crash on the couch. I'm going to eat some ramen. until I pass out watching anime. <laughs> and they would just look at me like, wait, what, what, what's going on? They were all expecting like the hookers and blow and everything. Right. And they're like, what? I'm what? like, Hey, no. I'm gonna eat some ramen. You, you know, I like putting this tiger sauce in my ramen and an egg. <laughs> Oh, man. You can mix peanut butter in there, and it makes a savory sauce. And they're just like, "This is this is not party." Yeah, well, that so my but chair. It's real life. <laughs> so when I got the club, uh, our lawyer, because uh, I actually had partners, uh, I was the I was the front man, basically the main guy. But there's almost always more than one person that owns a club. It's very rare, especially one that yeah. big. Just usually you have a front man, you know, an image guy, right? And yeah. that was me. And our lawyer actually gave me the chair for my office. Because he hated the chair I had already. It was his old legal chair. So it's one of those big legal oh leather bolts of, I don't know, brass all over it. And everything yeah. It's like 100 years old. and looks like it's from a, from a, I don't know, Perry Mason episode. An oil baron's office or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah. So that's squeaky. The chair well, now chair. you get to feel important doing anything in that chair, though. Yeah, yeah, it was a great chair. You'd come into the office, you'd see everything trashed everywhere, cables, speakers, broken computer, and a freaking $8,000 leather chair. <laughs> and now he does podcast in it. All right, guys. Greg, it's on you, buddy. Yeah. Bring it back in for, since I took All right, it on bring it back in. So so we've brought, we've, we have Grace on the show today, and Grace is going to talk to us about Jaws, 
But before we get into okay, that. Okay, okay, wait. Did you forget how to do the show? <laughs> well, I, You're not supposed I, to tell them the show that the guest brought. The guest is supposed to tell us. It's in the notes. We're playing it fast right, and loose back here. Back. Go back. Well, it, it, do you have the, you, the way that you put the notes all together? Put, the put, way that you re-put the notes back together? Um, you put the notes back together on top of this with, where it's uh, like it's just, we just, have the just, thing just, and then you got the thing and then there's the We're going to get you a quarter jar. There you go. So okay. we can jump from like paragraph like one down to paragraph four. And then we can go You're on like profession. Three. You're on asking her about her profession. <laughs> no, I know. That's what we're getting to. Fine. No. <laughs> I, you're shooting. You. Yes. So, but, but like, I mean, technically we're just shooting from the hip. Okay. Profession. <clears throat> Great. So Grace, the there you go. <laughs> so Grace, could you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do and what you're known for? Well, I'm probably best known for my podcast, Women at Warp. I'm a host and co-founder of it. We talk about women in and behind this women and anyone who isn't a straight white male in and behind the scenes of the history of Star Trek. Which, believe it or not, 50 years gives us a lot to talk about. I got my start doing uh, podcasting about 10 years ago when I was asked to co-host for All Things Trek because, well, not to simplify it, but they they were like, we need a lady perspective here. Mm -hmm. And God bless them, I gave them so many opinions. (laughs) And the whole thing just has been rolling ever since then. When that show ended... uh, my friends Jara Hodge, Sue Kissenwither, and Andy Vanderkalk all said, we should really do a podcast because we want to just keep talking about it. And now here I am. Our podcast was picked up by the Roddenberry Podcast Network, so we've got an official seal of approval. That feels pretty good. That's awesome. That is really awesome. And now I do uh, comics, reviews, and blog posts for our blog, which you can find at womenatwarp.com. No, Travis here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but the problem is you answered my next question, which is how did you get started in your podcast? <laughs> Again, very simply put, I'm just I have a lot of opinions, and someone uh, decided to point a microphone at me one day, and it's been going ever since. Tell us a little bit of how podcasting uh, works. Like, what are some of the behind the scenes things that go on with podcasting? And I'm not asking this to solicit advice on our own podcast, which is crumbling at the moment, but you know. <laughs> But. Well, that's the thing. You save that, and then 10 years later, you can use that footage to be like, and this is where it all fell apart. Before we stop using You, know, you do your behind-the-music special for whatever you were working on 10 years ago. Exactly. So basically, the gist of it is um, you, have a, you pick a topic ahead of time. You find the people who you at least have uh, think, if they aren't interesting or don't have really good candor with each other, at least have contrasting opinions. That way you get an actual conversation going. That's one of the most important parts. You talk on your topic and the most important thing you can learn when you are talking on a podcast is when you need to just shut the hell up and let someone else do the talking. Because by nature, anyone who's on a podcast is someone who likes to talk and likes to share their opinions. But there are a lot of points where you need to just kind of stop and say, Hey, this person, they've probably got more experience with this situation that we're talking about than I do. And that's a really important thing to recognize. Let me see. Um, I have recorded live from a basement. I once recorded in a closet at a summer camp in order to get privacy so I wouldn't have to quit my day job. Um, trying to think what else to go with. Honestly, podcasting is just 
conversation steered in a direction between interesting people. If that makes any goddamn sense. <laughs> it totally does. Totally mm-hmm. does. Um, past projects that you've worked on that mm-hmm. uh, either either uh, related to pod- podcasting or writing that that you mm-hmm. talk that you wish to talk about the words they are in the mouth they are coming from the brain they <laughs> taste like peaches occasionally and that's what they taste like right now they're there peach thoughts yes. got it <laughs> okay well as I said I got my start on um, all things Trek which was on the I want to say Trek radio. Um, that's where I got my start, and I've been going since then. Um, honestly, the majority of my published writing is through Women at Warp, but I've also got a writing portfolio site up. I am Grace Moore, writes at carbonmade.com if you want to read any of my independent writing, but mostly it's reviews and uh, criticisms and talking about Star Trek. Because believe it or not, that's kind of the thing I do nonstop. <laughs> Which which is actually pretty, like, to me, I think it's awesome because there's a lot to talk about with the Trek. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, and there's a surprising amount of stuff that uh, hasn't been talked about as much as it probably should be. And since a lot of the conversations about gender representation, racial representation, and an entire spectrum of people isn't totally fully acknowledged or addressed correctly... There's a lot to talk about still, and that conversation is always changing. Definitely. Like, I, when I listen to your podcast, uh, your team, you all have your different views on things. It was, it's always interesting to get the different perspectives and, and whatnot, and it's, it's so, I, I don't want to sound like cheesy, oh, it's so enlightening, but it, it's not. But <laughs> I'll it's take not, it. But it's not my, it, it's, it's not my where, where I come from it's not my perspective mm-hmm. on stuff. So it's, it's kind of, it's like, okay, cool. I I'm learning actually something different about it. I'm seeing it in a different way when I hear it, yeah. when I hear it, it said in my ears <laughs> and then I go back and I'm like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I could, I could, I could totally pick that up from that episode, Star Trek next generation or whatever y'all talked about. So it's, it yeah. is, it's definitely. That's part of why I love what I get to do here because we get to have conversations that a lot of people wouldn't otherwise, you know, be thinking about. We're thought provoking. That's that's what I want to say. Thought provoking. Yes. <laughs> Provocative podcast. Women at warp. We can make that our tagline. That was your tagline? No, we. It could be. It could like, be. That's pretty good. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> this is like the best, the worst we've done with our notes uh, back. In yeah. Day, yeah. <laughs> like it's, really it's like, hey, let's get a pro podcaster on our podcast and then just bobble it. It is all good. It is. It is a journey, and I respect that. I feel like you just told us your current projects. Uh, mostly. I'm currently in the process of trying to write my first novel, um, oh. which is a process. So I'm hoping to get more into creative writing work outside of the journalistic stuff I've been doing. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm trying to stretch myself right now. You got a log line? Uh, not yet. <laughs> I do, we but it's We don't really currently. need that for novels. It's just... Yeah, you know, like it's, you know, pitch log lines for novels, but you know, I was just yeah. curious. Is it curious. is it a sci-fi? Yes, okay. of course it is. I, well, I, I talk about Star Trek for a living. I, of course, I, it's a sci-fi. I wasn't sure because I know that on the <laughs> podcast sometimes you all talk about everything else. I didn't know it could have been it could have been a cooking <laughs> romance novel. I'm sure. Cooking romance. I'm sure there's a market for it. There, there could be. I, I just mean, watched a cooking romance movie. I know on the Hallmark Channel, right? It was so good. And I told you about that one. No, it was Julia and Julia. It was weird. Oh yeah. Oh that. yeah. <laughs> I really love half that movie. Yeah. 
No, that's true. <laughs> oh it's totally true. Julia- I will go to town talking about Julia and Julia. Yeah, like Julia Child side of the film is fun. Anytime you switch to the girl. It's delightful and informative. And then we have the world's most entitled and obnoxious oh lady God. who thinks that she somehow is deserving of attention that she isn't getting. Oh. And then we just see her bitch her way to the top. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. What's really What's really fun, though, is there's a point at the end where she's toasting to her beloved husband who's been standing by her through the whole thing. I'm not going to say who I was watching it with, but I was watching it with someone who uh, worked in a bookstore who just kind of leaned over to me and was like, her second book was about cheating on him. Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah. That's the best. That was a moment. Yeah. That's rough. I know, right? But it... uh, it kind of makes the whole, the whole that half of the plot just kind of like, <laughs> in terms of oh wow, I don't, you know like mm, no, I'm gonna back off. I don't want to, I don't want to trash talk someone because it could be a lot of fiction. Yep. You know, a lot of times when you write, that's true. When you write about yourself, you you exaggerate or you know, it, it, a lot of times you make yourself worse than you mm-hmm. actually are as a person. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson was that's true for that. Uh, oh, he is not yes. nearly as bad in real life as he is in his book, but that's what made it fun. He was very self-deprecating. So it's very possible that, you know, she did it for the entertainment value of her own life, but still. I know, but the, that half of the movie is really banking on us um, feeling sorry for a woman who's really clearly come from money and who has to live above a pizza parlor. Entitled. That is right down to her blog should make her money somehow. Oh, yeah. I hate. I you're right. That, that's but Julia Child performance freaking amazing. Super it's amazing. absolutely amazing. Okay, Describe. half of it is one of my favorite Nora Ephron movies. Oh. Half, of half of it. Greg, it's back to you. <laughs> I don't know. Back to me. Going. All right. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just totally derailed that entire right. thing by dunking on Julia. <laughs> Julia. <laughs> Well, I think we've we I think we've we've concluded all of the questions that we we would have normally asked in this time frame because you've answered everything to a T. All right, that means and, do I, oh good. Do I get extra credit for doing it quickly and efficiently? Oh, I mean, you well, know, technically you you're right on time. Actually, <laughs> yes, you're. Ah, dang it! For all of our ranting and raving, I watch a clock very closely. If somebody listened to our That's show good... and like took a stopwatch, they start to figure out the routine. <laughs> the only time that we haven't done the show on a on on the perfect marks of the Travis stopwatch technique is when we've done this via video, and uh, it, it that also threw us off. <laughs> it's really easy to get thrown off when you're doing it via video. One time, I derailed like a whole conversation because I noticed someone had this really really sweet star scream statuette in the background. Oh. I was like, can we see that? Right. And, and that's how I ruined that podcast. <laughs> that's, that's what happened to me yesterday. I kept like, what, what's that behind you? What is that? <laughs> it was like, is that a, is that a blah, blah, blah book, whatever book? Uh, we we're like, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> what's that, going on? It happened to me on both, on both episodes. I totally. Yeah. So video and me are not, I'm also ADHD. So I'm like, Actually, the I think the worst we've ever done is when I went quiet because my doctor called. No, when I fell asleep. <laughs> no, my, oh, no, my doctor called and told me I needed to go get tested something for something. Right, and we're, we try not to talk about that thing, but yeah. Yeah. that thing that I got. All right, guys, here we go. It's time for that narrative gunslinging. 
pew, pew. Do we have sound pew, effects? Pew, pew. Like I listen to our podcast we, and I don't think I've ever heard pew, pew, pew. sound effects. Of course you have no, Star we, Trek. No, we make lasers. them. We make the sound effects with our with our by ourselves. Pew, 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 pew. See, as independent artists, we make our own fun and our own special effects. And that's why you should join our Patreon, which I haven't started yet. <laughs> cost money, Travis. We don't have any money. That's very true. Hint, hint. All right. Uh, all right. So, Grace, if that's your yes. real name, you'll never know. What story? Any media? T- oh, wait. I forgot. Greg ruined at the beginning of the podcast. I, doing no, I, that's the joy of editing. I can. Just I want to do the dramatic reveal. Though. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna, I want to okay, do okay. the dramatic reveal. Beep. <laughs> What story inspires you to become a creator? Well, today I have a very specific story. I would like to pry open the gaping maw of the Hollywood blockbuster Jaws. Do you hear all those adjectives? That's how we know you're a pro podcaster. Holy moly. Yes. <laughs> English major. What was Holy totally golden sentence sentenced us, but verbally. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> I do try. I do try. But yes, I would like to talk about Jaws. And, uh, very cool. Very specifically, Jaws. The movie, the movie. version. Just the first one, not it's... the third one? No, I feel like... <laughs> I feel like I could do an extended examination of the other movies, but I would need to... Uh, I'd need to be pretty drunk first. So when we when we do the Jaws, uh, the, the whole entire, the, the gamut, uh, we will we'll have mm-hmm. to come back and you will lead us on a yeah. journey. The Josh journey. Absolutely. Okay. I'll get us- the only the only specification is you've got to do all three movies one after the other, showdown style, and it needs to be over the fourth of July weekend, because then it's festive. Right? Totally. Okay. Yeah. I one will deal. totally try it. I'll email Steven Spielberg's people and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> we have a very special guest, but we're not gonna tell you who it is. When so uh this guy is on our show. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know a little bit about that movie. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was my Spielberg impression. It's terrible. Sounds like Mickey Mouse. It does. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, wild. Disney bought him, so. All right. All right. So. Well, bad news, you can't do Spielberg. Good news, you do a mean Mickey Mouse. Sure. Oh. Every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end, okay? <laughs> wow. Positivity. Wow. Yes. See, what your oh podcast is huge. You're good. <laughs> I mean, I thought the girls from Morbid were mind blowing, but you're getting there. All right, all right, all right. So, why did you bring Jaws as as the uh, as the content that inspired you to become a creator? Uh, Well, for starters, I just love Jaws. I um, it's one of those movies that if I'm stressed out or having an anxious moment, I'll just kind of have it on in the background as noise. Wait, wait, and sometimes I'll repeat that sentence one more time because I want to make sure I heard that correctly with the audience. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm anxious or I just need background noise on, I will put Jaws on in the background. I think that's the exact opposite intent of that film. <laughs> I mean, it's the opposite intent, but it soothes that's me. Scary. And I think I've got, I think I can defend this thesis here. Um, Part of why I love the movie is it's such a great uh, narrative examination of that primal lizard brain that we all have from before we fully evolved that we still have kick into gear when we're afraid. Mm. 
And a lot of that plot, the plot of the movie revolves around that. And a lot of the characters' reactions revolve around that. And watching that just kind of play out has a therapeutic quality to it. And I've always, I've always been a weirdo for horror movies. I love them. I, um, uh, it wouldn't be totally right to say I'm not scared of the same things that some other people are. Cause I do get scared, but at the same time, it's kind of an excision process to see something frightening and to say to yourself, okay, there's that I've seen it. I don't have to be afraid of it anymore. That- and I like the idea of having just a story that's about this primal fear of what's in the dark water, what's going to come and attack your family, and it being a conquerable fear. Mm-hmm. Also, I just think it's got some really tight dialogue, and Roy Scheider looks so good in a turtleneck. <laughs> okay, that's yes. true. That is true. Yeah. Very, yeah. yeah, very true. Well, part of also what I wanted to... Uh, I said earlier before we started recording that I thought it was a good plot to look at because it's the plot that basically started the Hollywood uh, summer blockbuster. And it's a story that has sparked such a trend, not only in the world of movie making, but, uh, well, that's going to sound redundant, but also in storytelling in movies. And it's kind of like Citizen Kane and the fact that you watch it and you see a million different little ripples of its effect going mm-hmm. off in different directions throughout the world of filmmaking. With Jaws, in my head, I was thinking, mm-hmm. wow, there's a movie we don't have to really explain. But then I realized all of our audience was born after 1990, probably. And may have never even seen it. Or realized that if they do watch it, they'll go, oh, man, I've seen movies like this before. Yep, but this is the movie that started yes. them. Not realizing this is it. Yeah. Yeah, this is the start. This is the beginning. This movie's got a got a tight three act structure to it too. It's it's good stuff. It's one of those movies where I watch it a million times, and every time I do, I notice something new or something new uh, else that I'm impressed well, by. Go for it. Bring us into it. We're ready to listen. Okay, Act One: <laughs> Bathing Beauty off the coast of a resort town is attacked in the middle of the night by a shark. <sighs> Can I get some some dramatic attack music? Oh, uh, oh yeah. Da, 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 da. Wait, no. Do, do. Yeah. I'll, I'll, wait, no, wait. We're already. Wait, we're at the dramatic part. There you go. That was beautiful, and I'm so glad you did it. Yeah, that was good. So basically, we get uh, this attack as the catalyst for the plot. After that, we get introduced to our main character, Chief Brody. Now, before we progress too much, I want to say that the character of Chief Brody and his likability is definitely part of what makes this plot work so well. In the fact that when we first meet him, when we're first talking to him, he is likable. He is interesting. And we kind of want to know, well, what are you doing here, buckaroo? What are you doing in this one horse town, buddy? And I think that that carries so much more of the plot than we realize. The fact that um, if you look back, Back on a lot of action movies, there's definitely a heroic type. Um, I'm talking your John McClane's, pretty much anyone Bruce Willis has played, anyone who's like the big strapping, muscular Schwarzenegger type. And Brody is not mm-hmm. that. Brody is empathetic. Brody is an everyman. And somehow that's not boring, which I think is very impressive. Mm-hmm. So we've got this Chief Brody, uh, who used to be a cop in New York, but decided he was going to settle down to the safer shores of Amity Island, where he currently lives. And while he's going into work, he finds out that there has been some kind of boating accident, and this girl has been attacked. And when they examine it, they're like, oh, 
it looks like she was eaten by something. Is it just me or does she totally look not on? So basically, with, that carries us through the first act of this idea that um, the chief is trying to relate, hey, I think this is a shark attack to the town officials who are saying, it's, it's not a shark attack. It was probably an accident. There's no, there's no reason to get excited here because um, anyone who's lived in a small vacation town will tell you that tourism is going to what keeps the entire town running. And they're coming up on the 4th of July weekend, which is a big old plot point there. And another reason why this is a great holiday movie for the 4th of July weekend. Very true. I watch it every year. Um, (laughs) So basically then we have word kind of get out. Uh, Another attack happens. A small boy is eaten. It's nasty. And then, you know, shark panic begins as predicted, which culminates in them uh, putting out ads and saying, hey, anyone want to catch this shark so that our town can be safe again? And this is where that lizard brain thing really kicks into gear, because not only do we have all these people who are in the town panicked about a shark, we have all of these people who are saying, hey, this is a chance to make money. And we see a lot of, uh, shall we say, dumb fuckery based on <laughs> the idea that you can fu- you, you can totally hunt this huge monster from the prehistoric era. And that's when we get introduced to our secondary main character primary character matt hooper who is from the oceanographic i i totally mangled that word how do i say this word fuck he is a fish scientist fish let's go with that perfect dr fishman dr fishman dr fishman he's a doctor of fishmanology yeah um basically we bring him in the two of them are talking uh sort of form this kinship over the fact that holy crap this town is losing its fucking mind and um, we've reached the point where a shark is caught, but the two of them are kind of like, I don't know, I don't think that's the shark we're looking for, buddy. So we get some dramatic night fishing and shark shenanigans, And then we get to Act 2 with Fourth of July weekend, which is where the town is basically saying, everything's fine, everybody come frolic in our waters, there's no shark to worry about, but we know there's a shark there, mm-hmm. and it's some excellent tension. And I'm just, I know, rambling in the plot description here. But of course, it doesn't go great, which brings us to Act 3, wherein um, Brody, Hooper, and a grizzled old seaman named Quint go out to hunt the shark. And that entire third act is the shark being hunted and the shark playing mind games with them while they're in the boat. Because, yeah, sharks can play mind games, I'm sure. It's about as believable as, you know, anything else Spielberg has done. So basically, the shark is eventually, in the end, killed after you know eating a couple of people but we get to have our characters swimming back to the mainland like yay we did it and that's the end of jaws that was the world's most rambling description of it but that's the base basically jaws right there you know it really is uh it was a good description actually you broke it down in acts and you you hit the main characters uh yeah. but you also hit on some things that i think are important and if you can uh, can you elaborate to the audience what this film did, what a blockbuster became and what followed in your opinion and your own historical record. Well, as far as I know, um, this was the first big movie that was given an over 500 theater release at the very beginning of summer. um, And basically was the kind of movie that everyone was talking about. And everyone was like, have you seen Jaws? It had such big buzz around it. Mm -hmm. And that was probably around the time when Hollywood studios realized, Hey, you can put out a movie in wide release that's super over the top and big and actiony and it'll get a ton of buzz and that can keep it going through most of the summer. 
in terms of uh, keeping people in the theater for it. It doesn't hurt that it was also just a really well-made movie. It's it's the Cadillac of monster movies, basically. Basically, every monster movie since even the slasher is actually invented by Jaws. You can credit Jason Voorhees to Jaws. <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Which is crazy because it's ripping off Jaws. It's da da, you know, <laughs> right? And then the, the, the kill. All the cues are there. I know, but definite credit to John Carpenter for writing his own theme music for the movie, though. (laughs) No, wait, that was Halloween, Halloween, wasn't it? Fuck. Yeah, I don't know if Halloween rips off Jaws as much as Friday the 13th. I mean, they come from the slasher genre, but in a lot of ways, the idea of teenagers in bikinis, on vacation, by an unthinking, unrelentless, you know, monster beast slashing them. Yeah. And it's a sexy concept, like people at having fun, frolicking at the beach, and then, oh no, there's a monster to be fought. That could be played so cheesy, and we've mm. seen so many bad monster movies that follow that exact premise, but this one just kind of amps it up a notch in terms of suspense and, again, quality storytelling. Yeah, so- and, and with everyone telling everybody else, it's everything's fine, it's okay. Yeah, and again, I think that's another part of speaking to the sort of lizard brain fear of the movie that keeps it relevant. We keep seeing memes popping up these days of uh, the mayor, and my favorite was one of the last election cycles. People were posting pictures of the mayor from Jaws and saying, remember, the mayor from Jaws 1 was still the mayor by the time Jaws 2 came around, and that's why it's important to vote in your local elections. And I think about that a lot. (laughs) I think that also hits on a really widespread fear. And I think in times of economic unrest, that's really something that people can relate to. Um, If you are in a vacation town that makes its money specifically from tourists, or if you're in, say, a factory town, a coal town, a town that is dependent on an outside force for the income, you are at that income's mercy. And I think that's kind of a primal fear that we all have, that the fact that we are disposable in the name of the bigger force that's keeping the economic world moving. Jaws comes up in film school yeah. over and over again uh, for many reasons across, not just the blockbuster, but it is excellent storytelling. It is a master class in suspense. Um, and it's a master class in uh, film, uh, film adaption of a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we, we can talk a little bit about that. Cause I'd love to address that because that says a lot to do uh, a lot about how good of a filmmaker Spielberg was at the time. But mm-hmm. uh, when we, when I was younger, they would bring up, you know, uh, the town's reaction. And I got to be honest over the years, I had softened on the idea that no town would be that stupid. No town would be so driven <laughs> to you know, not do something and warn people that it's just a short deal. You can get back in the water. We need to reopen the economy. My whole life, I have believed that was the one thing about other than Jaws playing chess with at the end of the movie. But, uh, <laughs> but other than that, that was always something I'd always kind of, went, you know, if there's an iffy thing, it's the reaction of the town. Cause yeah. they all get behind the mayor and the mayor's an idiot. Yeah. And now Attacky idiot, which is doubly evil. Right, doubly right. And then, like now, I'm in a, in a world where I'm like, well, you know, you know, you know that might that, that, that jacket's not so bad, right? That's, that's probably <laughs> that's probably a real reaction. You know, hey, there's a but the water's poison. Don't drink it. Yeah, well, we got to be able to drink the water. You know, okay, it's our right to drink the water. Oh my God, yeah. 
people come from all over to drink this water. Yeah, that and so it's delicious. Which I, in hindsight, I love how that uh, kind of mirrors. Oh, I want to say big London typhoid outbreak where they were able to trace it back to a specific well. Yeah. That people were coming from all over to drink from. Well, or, or other cases in history, the, the fog thing where the where London got fogged over and they just yeah. said, you know, it's fine. It's just, it's just smoke. Yeah. You know, they, and that's a, that's a constant theme. And Jaws puts that in a very small town and gives yeah. you a very clear aggressor, which is the, the creature. So the creature, but the creature being enabled to keep feeding uh, by yeah. the inaction of the people who are in charge. Who somehow think it's going to stop. Go ahead. There's a very specific sort of lizard. Uh, I keep coming back to lizard brain because yeah. it's I'm what wondering I about really... the conspiracy theory. There, are you seeing we evolved from lizard people? <laughs> 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 we can go down that road. That's not this podcast, but we'll find one. That's okay, cool. I'll I'll simplify it and say. Um, the animalistic part of the brain um, that you will not be fully protected and that you have to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. But there's um, a very specific psychology to catastrophes and you see it all the time when you're looking into emergency response. And a lot of people will see an impending disaster and say, well, that's not going to hurt us because I don't believe it will hurt us. And um, you can look back and find old newsreel footage of people being like, oh, no, no, God, God won't let anything happen to our town. And it's not so much a matter of religion at work there as disbelief and the idea of, no, no, if I don't pay attention to this, it'll go away. And that is a fight or flight response that's kind of hard to acknowledge. And people don't want to acknowledge that they wanted to believe that the thing was not going to affect them. Because they didn't want it to, and because they were too scared to comprehend the idea of it affecting them. Going back to London again, uh, <laughs> there was a there was a fire in their tube system, and people just kept going down the stairs, thinking, "Oh, there's smoke coming out, but it shouldn't be so bad down there." And all these people just kept getting smoke inhalation because they kept yeah. walking down the stairs and walking where the fire was, and yeah. it was denial like, is powerful. Exactly. And I was like, how do people just keep doing that? But apparently it went on for like 20 minutes until the fire went out. <laughs> so Jeez. Was it, was it uh, Bouncy Helen Spirit Lake? Yeah. They didn't want to yeah, leave yeah, the Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a perfect example. And they, it wiped out the resort. It's gone. There's no lake there. You know, yeah. people, the, the guy that ran the, the, the little store up there refused to go. And people in the area refused to go because they thought they were going to get pretty photos. And they're gone now. Travis, the lake so, is coming back. The lake is not really coming. Man, I grew up out there, man. I lived through that thing. I know exactly what the Nile's like. Uh, and that's so, what I'm saying. Uh, the lake is coming back. The lake is coming back. So let's go back to the story, though. Um, let's talk about some of these characters. Uh, I, I like the way you were talking about uh, Brody. Bring, bring back Brody as a character and tell me, tell me what brings you to Brody. Well, let's talk about, well, let's talk about Brody by, uh, by the solid facts. He's an ex-cop. He's a white heterosexual male in a largely white heterosexual town, I assume. That's a resort town, so there's probably some people with money. And when I put it down on paper like that, there's a lot of reasons why I feel like I should dislike the character of Brody. I mean, he's not he's nothing that I haven't seen in a million other characters, a white dude cop. Um, but it's, but again, we get that establishment early on that he is empathetic and caring and has a sense of humor and that keeps him likable. And this movie just has, is so excellent in the opening scene of him in his bed with his wife in just hooking you in and bleh, sorry, word salading here and 
making him likable right off the bat to the point that you want to keep seeing what happens to him and that you are in his corner from the get-go. Which, let's be honest, if we were talking about a movie and we sort of pitched a plot of, and then there's a cop who's kind of letting the shitty mayor boss him around and keep him from closing the beaches, we could really easily hate that character. Oh, for sure. But we established that this is a guy who came to this town because he wanted to make a difference somewhere where he wasn't just... uh, fighting against a sea of crime. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we do want to see him tackle this whole thing head on. Brody's such a great character uh, in the film. Um, mm-hmm. Part of it is there's little nuances too. Spielberg knows how to make nuances. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. this. There's something I remember. Brody's clumsy in the film. Yeah. Did you ever catch that? Like he's clumsy. Yes. That's one of his likable features. And I love that they used such an anime girl trope for the main character in this macho blockbuster. Yeah. Yeah. He's so, he's so relatable as a human. He doesn't, you know, you don't feel like you're watching an action hero. You feel like you're re- you're watching the town officer, somebody that you have in your own town. That's brilliant. And the, and the interaction with his family that we see, um, I could take it back to an Iliad comparison there and be like, Oh yeah. When you see Hector interacting with his kid, it humanizes him so much, but in this case, it really does in terms of him just wanting to take care of his kids and being in a situation where his kids are getting older and he is not always going to be able to like keep them on a leash. And yeah. there's probably a whole metaphor that you can get into there that I'm not qualified to get into. But uh, but we do really get to see him being a proactive, caring father. And I don't think we really get to see that enough with uh, guys in the big action movies. No, especially bringing up Bruce Willis. How the hell did his son become a spy, go to Russia? I mean, what the heck? Oh, my God. How do you get so far from your original subject material, man? He was just a, he was an ordinary cop in the first movie. What happened? And now they're in super spy shit, and they're, like, trying to lampshade it. And it's like, no, you've, you've put, put both your feet in this world. Either commit to it or don't. Yeah, I mean, be the Fast and the Furious if you're going to be the Fast and the Furious and introduce aliens and bring back Han. But, um, <laughs> that freaking movie. Oh All right, my so gosh. Let's go, let's go, well, actually, I want to go back to. They had Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and they decided it was going to be his shitty son who was a super spy. I call yeah. shenanigans. No, I, I'm with you. Oh, I, you know, you're not the only one that's called that over the years. There's a lot of people call that. Who, by the way, is the best huntress who's ever but been done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like right Bar out none. of Dale's books, oh man. Um, yeah. but, uh, go back to Brody in, in I, just, I don't know if you're aware of this. If you remember reading the book, Brody mm-hmm. in the film is a creation of Spielberg, in my opinion, because Brody in the book is a dimwit. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. Everyone's kind of a jerk in the book from what I remember. Yeah. And Brody's no different. And I think that's when, when we were talking earlier and I mentioned, that I wanted to touch on this. One of the brilliance of Jaws is that it not only was it a blockbuster that wide release in 500 theaters, it was a blockbuster coming off a big, big book. Uh, Jaws was mm-hmm. a book the year before had broke mm-hmm. records in sales. Yeah. It was a monster. And a year later, it becomes a film, which is what enabled that 500 theater release, which at the time oh, totally. was unheard of. Yeah. Uh, it was only because that book had existed. But then Spielberg recognized something. And that I, that's really why I want you to touch on Brody, which was the characters in the books are dicks. Yeah. And the kicks, the characters in the books are totally unlikable. You're rooting for the shark. Exactly. So 
I think that's part of the masterclass of adaptation that this movie is, like you were saying earlier. Um, the fact that there, the good parts are recognized and the parts that can be adapted and kind of molded in a different way are recognized. And it really does bring you out with a fully different experience, which, um, and I'll say this for the record, because I know a lot of people will get up in arms about how it needs to be uh, exactly the same as the original source material. And we were just kind of bitching about that a minute ago. Um, <laughs> but anyway, there's something to be said about taking, uh, working from your source material and making it a completely different functioning entity. And there's this quote from Stephen King that I'm going to paraphrase, something along the lines of, just because the adaptation was different didn't change the book that is on your shelf. Open it up, take a look, it's all still there. Yeah. And this is a really good example of when to recognize, well, maybe we can improve on this and make it more of an emotional tug so that it's not so much just cop fight shark. It's, you know, desperate family man is trying to protect his kids and his wife from big primordial mm -hmm. monster. You know, if you were to take a step back, I would say that Jaws, in my opinion, from a narrative perspective, is more about the town than the shark and the interaction of a small town and how a town and a community reacts to threat. And there is something to be said there, yeah. Yeah, uh, though, though, holy crap, robot shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> holy crap, robot shark. Functioning, non-functioning robot shark. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you about Quint? Tell me what you felt, how you felt about Quint, because he is the, if you were to, if, if I was writing a book, uh, Brody is a character uh, that I would say, this is the archetype, who mm -hmm. represents your average everyday guy. Then you've yeah. got Hooper, who... In the books, just a dick, but in the movie is you're the fun-loving guy who you kind of get sick of once in a while, right? And then you <laughs> he's had, uh, he's got a sense of humor, but he's a scientist. But you got you know, the exact he's opposite. a character. You got the exact yeah. opposite, which is a conspiracy theorist, right jerk, old grizzly sailor who believes in the mythology of the sea versus the scientist yeah. who's goofy and funny. And that yeah. again, Spielberg's creation, and it really makes that third act insane. The third act is three dudes trapped together on a boat. And that concept, I don't think would work as well if it weren't for the fact that the characters are differing and the characters have chemistry in their interaction. And though that adaptation of the characteristics of the personalities is what makes that chemistry happen. Who's your favorite of the three? Hooper. Really? Yeah. Tell us about Hooper. Yeah. I, I yeah. think the audience needs yeah. to know yeah. about yeah. Hooper. Matt yeah. Hooper is a scientist who, as a kid, went out on a boat and got his boat attacked by sharks and, as such, is super into sharks. And I already like that because that's such an um, origin story for so many of the scientific-minded people <laughs> that I know. Just the sort of thing, like, I encountered this weird thing that scared the hell out of me as a kid, and now I want to know more about it. I want to know everything about it. And we establish he comes from money, but he's funding a bunch of his own research. So we get a look. It's so hard to have empathy with rich dudes in <laughs> movies these days. Um, but we have it for him because, again, he's a fun, loving, down-to-earth dude. And he is uh, working with Brody on trying to make the right thing happen here and protect the people of this town. And I really appreciate any character that's there um, kind of not just for the levity, but in terms of contrast to not everyone in the room can be talking like this and be super serious because then you've just got a bunch of dudes in a room who are all trying to be the right. most intense i appreciate the guy who's there to be like 
Oh, this is ridiculous. Um, you're all being dicks. I'm out of here. That character always speaks to me. Well, the best part, too, is they don't make him uh, uh, have some type of weird karma for that, for being that character. I no, mean, literally and I think that that's great. He's, he's, like, still smart. He's in. He's on his wits. In, in that cl- yeah. climactic ending, he participates. Yeah. I think it's also really um, got something to be said that uh, this is going to be weird, but... I don't feel like as a character, his intelligence is pitting him against other characters, which you do see happen with science, uh, scientist characters a bunch. Um, I know I'm going to get on a soapbox here, but especially with women scientists in media. Um, but I like Hooper because he's an everyman scientist. And there's this idea that being part of the scientific community or pursuing the scholarly stuff makes you a different breed of human or that you are above talking to the little people. And he is a down getting his hands dirty, active participant in everything that's happening. And I think that's part of what makes him such an interesting character. Say that maybe he is uh, kind of with the levity, but also the brightness that he brings with how he sees things like this, his excitement, I guess. Yeah, the fact is that this is a phenomenal opportunity for him to study a giant creature, and he's taking advantage of that, and uh, at least Rhodey doesn't resent him for it, the fact that this is his life's work. And we get some resentment there definitely from Quint, because these are the giant monsters that he hunts for a living. But again, that just makes the chemistry that makes that third act work. Tell us about Quint. I want to hear about Quint. Quint, 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 Quint. Quint, the grizzled old seaman. He could be the stock character or longshoreman character, but he's got this incredible influence of the mysterious, I'm going to say it, gunslinger character (laughs) who just kind of comes out of nowhere and is like, oh, yeah, horrible problem you got there. Let me know if you want someone to take care of it. And he always reminds me of um, in The Seven Samurai, there's the part where one of the samurais is just like, oh, they've got guns. That's going to be a problem. And one is just like, I'll be back by morning. He takes off and we never see what happens, but he comes back and he's got one of the guns. He's like, I got a gun for us <laughs> and we don't know what happened there, but we know it was fucking yeah. awesome. <laughs> and that's how I feel about Quinn. The fact that the, we do get some stories from him. We get the tough talk. We get the old salty man swagger, <laughs> which is all played incredibly well uh, by Robert Shaw, like to a degree that when I finally saw it, taking of Pelham one, two, three, I was blown away that he wasn't an old main coot and that he was in fact uh, European. <laughs> That was really startling for me because he sinks so naturally into that role. And it's a rich character that you want to know more about, but you don't necessarily get to because your mind... Spoilers. (laughs) Sorry. I meant in the fact that he's not telling, but okay. Oh, oh, I spoiled it. If people haven't seen this movie or read this book by this time... (laughs) Sorry! If you if you if it's like you're it's considered a spoiler to say that somebody gets eaten by a shark in Jaws, I think you're kind of a lost cause. What? Wait a minute. Oh, the, there's a shark. All right, I got to ask you about one last character because there is a character that we have danced around the whole time. Yeah. No, uh, actually, the shark is a character, but the shark, the boat. I mean, though, Ellen, the sea, but Brody's wife, yeah, Brody's wife. Which is yeah. one of the strangest changes from book to mm-hmm. film. So tell me, right. especially as a woman, and yeah. how she's p- portrayed in this book in this movie. Because there's an mm-hmm. interesting thing I'd like to bring up if you don't touch on it. Yeah, 
Uh, can you can you give us a little detail into the book? Because I'm afraid it has been a really long time since I read it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's banging Hooper the whole time at a cheap motel, and she's a bitch. Yeah, that's unsurprising. That's straight up. Yeah, the worst. She's an example of '70s male writers. She's a very Hemingway woman. Yeah, yeah. And I like that they changed that around um, because a that's something that we don't really need more of the idea that a man's role in being a husband is to put up with the bitch of his wife. And the fact that she is an independent and empathetic character with agency is so much better. And again, the fact that these characters, we have feelings for them and we care about what happens to them makes the plot important. I think one of the threads that's been really lost uh, since Jaws with the big Hollywood blockbuster narrative, as we know it, is the idea that the bigger the stakes, the more intensely you feel for it which is not at all usually how it goes. I've had movies where like the fate of the earth is at stake, but I just don't give a shit. Cause all the people we've seen on it are terrible, <laughs> yes, yes. but this is a small town whose livelihood is at risk and whose citizens are in peril. But the fact that these are actual people, people who care about each other, who have their own lives, who are trying to deal with their small town problems. You are invested in seeing this through. You want, this woman to be able to see her husband come back in one piece from hunting a yeah. shark. And she's an interesting character. She, she's funny. She's saucy, <laughs> which I always appreciate, but they, uh, they took her away from, like I said, this Hemingway is wife that you see just overwrought entirely. And a lot of dude dominated media. And I appreciate that a lot. Seventies books are wrought with that actually. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, I noticed. 70s media also. And we do really briefly get to see her break the be- uh, past the Bechdel test. We get to see her talking with uh, the owner of the hotel on the beach about like, well, when do we get to consider ourselves islanders? So it technically passes. I would appreciate it um, if we'd gotten more of something like that. But honestly, the plot's got so much shit going on already. And she got a, all the whole third movie to herself. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're going with this, yeah, really. You gotta wrap it back in to bring you back for that third movie. Oh, uh, My favorite part about her really is is in the book, it doesn't make sense Brody's married to her. Yeah. And the Brody that Spielberg gives us, there's no way he would marry that woman from the book. No. Yeah. The woman he's married to in that movie is a believable person who has life partnered with that man. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is exactly it. The fact that there is partnership in their relationship, and that's so important. And there's partnership with uh, Brody and his wife, and there's partnership with him and Hooper, and the affair would have just fucked that all to hell. No, and it wouldn't have made sense for her to sleep with Hooper in the movie anyways, because that Hooper's... No. <laughs> well, he's too lucky, too go-lucky, first of all, but second, their friendship... That, yeah, he, the could he could get it, he could get it, he could get it. But, uh, you know... I, he's got that swagger. I, I think that's... What, he's yeah. got the swagger, he can rock a sweatshirt. <laughs> he does, he does rock He also rocks... Wait, wait. Just a note, uh, if I remember correctly, he wears a very pair, short pair oh, of yeah. shorts. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah. You know you're a killer scientist if you can rock mm-hmm. those shorts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a scientific measure of skill and the height of your shorts. It's, um, it's a pretty steep paradigm, but I think we'll get it on paper someday. How did Jaws affect you and your choices to become a creator? Jaws 
for one thing, blew my mind in terms of, I think being a kid of the 90s, I'd always been given that narrative of action movies are big, loud, and stupid. And watching Jaws is like watching a violin concerto be played uh, on its own. You appreciate so much and so much nuance that has gone into it. The fact is that you want to say it's classic uh, Spielberg and that this was Spielberg's kind of big entrance into the world of A, the blockbusters, and B, filmmaking in a bigger capacity other than his, um, his smaller budget stuff. But the fact is that a lot of different roles went into making this movie happen. And the more you read about it, the more you come to appreciate that. And it's one of those things where you should stop and take a minute anytime you're watching a movie of this scale and just appreciate how much work from how many different experts and craftsmen and tradesmen went into it. And that kind of made me appreciate the fact that if you're a writer, it only needs to be you. (laughs) You can just throw your shit together and call it good. Uh. (laughs) Um, But also the fact that I I love a good action story and there's no really working around that but I only really like them if they're people and characters that I care about and that you can make a big bombastic thriller of a story, but still have there be the central characters that you would, you would fight for by the end of the movie. And that's something that I think has really driven me in wanting to work in fiction and the kind of stories I want to tell. Action can be very character driven and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be based around the character specifically, but you can inject characterization in there and make it something that whoever's reading it will care about. There's room for emotion as well as violence and action, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, I had one last question because I yeah. did, which is this is a Spielberg film and the, our, our listeners may be familiar with Spielberg's yeah. more recent. This was stuff. a different Spielberg altogether I, though. I have to Let's say, be real. This and the duel are two yeah. very different films than yeah. anything he does ever again. He no. never goes back to this well. Uh, but if you were going to recommend to our audience, how would you convince someone of the modern age who has seen Spielberg films and yeah. let's say J.J. Abrams films and has written them <laughs> off as all the same? How would you convince them to come back around to Jaws? Jeez, oh, I think the only way you can really convince someone with Jaws is to show them Jaws for one thing. This is this would be this is all theoretical because it would be so hard to do. Uh, that would be to map out the influence of Jaws and just how I was talking earlier about how there's the ripples of influence that go all over the place in the world of movies. Mm-hmm. There's so many that you could trace back to Jaws. If you could do that, you would have a pretty good argument right there, just in terms of it being an important piece of cinema. And also, I feel like you could show someone the number is on a shark hunting and how it went up after that movie just to show the effectiveness of the movie to its audience, which is unfortunate, but Peter Benchley became a big advocate for uh, shark welfare later on, which is kind of beautiful when you think about it. I could see you in a room with a a bunch of string yeah. uh, charts going. Make a conspiracy map of influence around Jaws. Yes. Just to get someone to watch this. Lizard people, robot sharks. Yes. Got it. Benedict Cumberbatch is in there somewhere, as with every conspiracy. Exactly. Oh my god, you said his name correctly. Hell yeah, I did. Podcasting. <laughs> my brain. Oh wait, he was in a Star Trek yeah. movie. I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else I can clarify? I'm waiting for Greg to wrap up for us. <laughs> 
I'm over here being like, Greg, Greg, wrap We're, we're falling under wrap the, the undertow Greg, and the shark is pulling us down. Won't you won't you ring the bell on the dinghy for us? Greg, wrap the show. Are you are you sending me messages, Travis? Well, yes, I'm, I'm sending you messages turned, being like, dude, don't let me talk all anymore. That off so that I could actually be be here and present oh with the podcast. I was wondering. I was like, why is he not talking to baby? I turned all that off because it was too much. <laughs> You talk, Travis. See, the thing is, what we're doing right here oh, is we're all happen. having uh, conversational candor and chemistry. So we've kind of got the Hooper Brody Quint thing going, if anyone asks. Exactly. And we're just pulling that out as long as possible because third act tension. Exactly. There we go. Someone's going to get eaten by a shark. Not it. And, and then it's going to be Travis. <laughs> Well, that's because I'm the book version. But if of you're Quint, you still get all the best one-liners. <laughs> oh, I was gonna. Oh man, I forgot some points about Quint. What's uh, your question? The book, the book of it. I don't remember Quint in the book at all. Actually, now I think about it. But in the movie, the the characterization of him. Every time I watch that film, I feel like he's this weird poem that walks like old man in the sea kind of poem. Well, Rob, he does feel straight out of. Longfellow, but also there's the fact that Robert Shaw is a poet, so there's a lot of poetry to the performance and a lot of romanticism. It's crazy. He's such a different energy that comes onto the yeah. set when he when that character he is a presence. He is film. an absolute like, presence, and he gets one of the the great mm, entrances so of movie history. Claws on mm-hmm. nails on the blackboard. Hires to swim in with bow legged women. So we. We we've come to the end of the uh, the discussion of Jaws. There's there's no more no more final ramblings to be discussed. Not till the sequel. Okay, not till the sequel. So we'll bring you back for the sequel <laughs> and for the third. We'll do that on the fourth of July for for everyone that's listening. <laughs> Anything that you would like to uh, share with our listeners uh, for your projects that you have going on? Uh, reminders that they need to know about, uh, i.e., where they can find you. Uh, if you like hearing my if you like hearing my incessant opinion mongering, please check out my podcast, Women at Warp. I talk about Star Trek and Star Trek related topics. You can also read my writing on our blog, uh, womenatwarp.com. Excellent. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at BonecrusherJank. You should go find her there because there's there's some good, funny content. <laughs> I, I'm talking to yes, I'm talking to the audience. I'm trying, dude. But yes, you, know you should struggle. too. Oh, you're talking to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> what was it again? BonecrusherJank. J-E-N-K. There's a story behind it, but I'll never tell. I mean, we can have episode four with you. So when we talk about the fourth Jaws sequel that no one remembers. And then we have to follow it up with writing our own Jaws sequel. We we could. Yeah, and then we, I'm down. I would yeah. love to do that. And then well, we this, go back and we follow up horrible. with Moose Jaws. Moose Jaws. What? Moose. Take on Jaws, but as a moose. Moose Jaws. Yes. Moose are okay. scary, man. You ever so, seen one of those guys close up? But I was attacked by a bison as a child, and it is not like so, holy shit. Uh, I, I large animals larger than a car uh, definitely scare me. Bison, moose, those things definitely not. So, so talking about like sharks uh, um, and growing up near the water when I was yeah. younger, uh, definitely this like this this definitely had an impact on my life. <laughs> I was scared <laughs> of the water. The influence of this movie—that's what you use to sell this movie on someone who's uh, yeah, given up you, on Spielberg. You never go to the water. Watch this.
or you just play them that monologue where uh, after they've been comparing scars. Ooh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that is actually yeah. that's a, solid, <laughs> a solid piece right there. I have used it in drama class. It's a good one. But yeah, follow me on the internet. I won't stop talking, so I might as well do it facing an audience. Thank you very much, Grace, for coming on the show. We can't wait to hear your podcast. I'm excited to listen to it. And we hope to have you back to do Jaws 2 now that we've had this podcast. Yeah, anytime. Where I will wear a muzzle. <laughs> we found out why we were doing the podcast the doctor called and said you gotta oh. leave you gotta get off the podcast and i'm like type oh. into gray i gotta that is out. rough <laughs> so it, it it was kind of funny because our guest was like where did travis go <laughs> i was like <laughs> just played it off the, the, the yeah, podcast sounds fun. You did some good job on the editing on that. This is why they edit me. <laughs> We're back. We're back. So, Greg, I got a question for you. Huh? Yeah? Dude, you shaved your eyebrows on facebook yes where did that bet come from and and what happened and why okay so uh travis and i did uh ran a kickstarter for starlight comic for issue number one and as we were looks fantastic by the way thank you it is fantastic i've read it um it is uh it 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 was getting to a point where we needed to come up with different things to kind of engage our 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 folks uh, out there in the uh, in the in the internet, and uh, jokingly said I was going. Oh, not jokingly! Uh, it came out that I was going to shave my head at at a point, and then uh, jokingly on top of that, the eyebrows on top of my face were part of my head. Not that I said I was going to do that, but numerous people called for my eyebrows over oh and over God. again. So I said, if we get to a certain dollar amount at this point, I would do it, and I right. didn't think that. Travis would actually that goal. get us there by the time. And then Travis did a head shave, which put us way over the goal by the time that I jokingly threw out there. So I had to shave <laughs> my eyebrows the next day. Spoiler alert. Well, at least you don't. His eyebrows have not grown back and they probably no. will not. Yeah. I would just ask. I was just going to ask if they've grown back or not. No, but uh, thankfully my grandma hasn't noticed yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> You guys, she is old, so yeah. Well, you and your grandmother have the cutest relationship. Thanks. It is, it's astounding, man. I like, I could watch you two guys on a on a TV show, like, seriously. <laughs> it's it's pretty goofy, like, uh, some of the, the random, random goofy things. She, I gave her, uh, so she was listening to, she, I, I taught her how to use, use YouTube on an iPad. And she yeah. she was trying to get through the whole entire like uh, discography of her favorite singer and all the videos that people have been putting up, and she didn't realize that there was like no end of, of <laughs> content on YouTube. It just goes apparently. and, goes. and uh, as she's going through, like days and days and days have gone by, and uh, we gave her headphones, and then she was like, "Oh, these headphones aren't working." But I realized it was because she like kept flipping them over, so I gave her a pair of my like nice monitor headphones. And yeah. she's falling in love with those and she won't take them off her head. And she's trying <laughs> to answer the phone with them today. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I just I kept hearing her yelling into the phone that she couldn't hear them. And I realized <laughs> I, I popped down to take a look and I, I see that she still has headphones on and a phone in her hand. So you that's know, funny. It's it's what people do. <laughs> oh man. Travis, how did you hook up with Greg to do this podcast? Well, we went on a date. We met on Tinder. And nice, uh, nice. You guys both swiped right. Yeah, it's match made in heaven. Is that how it works? Nice. Olive Garden. I mean, you know, how, how does Anne feel about this, Craig? Well, I mean, you know, she she's supportive. Yeah. Okay. Good. There's needs that Greg has that she can't fulfill <laughs> that Travis, Travis can. can. Fill. Their love is that strong. <laughs> it's true. Modern relationship. Um, <laughs> Do you guys ever think about using the name hot dogs and, and donuts? Hot dogs and donuts. No. Okay. No, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't. I don't get that either. It's a weird one. Is that a? It is a reference? weird one. It's 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 a tender date reference for you two. Okay. I well, we met at the Olive Garden. <laughs> Bread sticks and salad bars. <laughs> yeah. Bread sticks and tossed salads. Yeah. No. What? I don't get that either. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, sorry, we're getting off on tangents. Seriously, Travis, how did? Like where the podcast. concept for this? Yeah, right? Just like a normal podcast. How did the concept of this come about? Because it's a great concept. And you bring in Greg to, to help you bring this thing together. <clears throat> He's full of energy. Oh. Everybody's hearing how you, you know, you kind of, I think you're playing the straight man to, to, to Greg's wackiness. And I think it's, it works really well. Oh. And you guys are having a lot of fun. So I'm really curious how you came up with this. With the story or meeting Greg, I got a little confused there. The podcast, the podcast, the podcast, buddy, the podcast. Oh, the podcast. Oh, yeah, that one, that was easy. I was like, uh, I don't really want to do the hard parts. So I wonder what Greg's doing. <laughs> you guys are like, uh, quiet, dang it. Yeah, basically, uh, Greg and I talk about narrative structure constantly. It's like my favorite subject. I've been a, you know, consultant and film and oh, stuff forever. And, uh, and yeah. so the, my favorite thing in the world is to take stories apart. And I usually end up taking them apart with Greg. And then I was like, ah, we should do a podcast because you guys do a podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, but kept dragging me out to all these podcasts. And I was like, man, I just want to talk about stories all day. So I hit him up. I was like, do you think we'd want to do a podcast with me where we just literally talk about how, what stories you know, are in people's lives, why they inspired them. And we could just trash these people's stories. And he was like, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> I I love say, it. As, somebody, as somebody who's been on the show, it wasn't that bad. You guys didn't trash my story well, too bad. So it was, we were was new, nice. You were an early guest. I'm, I'm pretty ruthless. No, yeah. okay. uh, and, and I, I was, I was what, one of your early what guests. What story did they do? So I chose Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as the story that we, we talked about uh, for a narrative structure when I was on. Oh, okay. I thought it would be something that you wrote. No, no. It's, 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 it's a <laughs> Too story scared that for that you. one? <laughs> I know. If they, if they wanted to destroy something I wrote, they can, by all means, do it. Oh, yeah. We've done it. We've sure. done it. I'm sure. <laughs> it's called the secret John Horsley bash. Right, no, right. It's, it's not so secret. It's a podcast on the network. <laughs> right. <laughs> Horsley It's not so secret. I've heard them all. <laughs> yeah, that's now, we, uh, too funny. You know, we've gotten better at it. You know, the hard thing is, is when people yeah. bring you uh, stories that you love, yeah. and you need to, you want to deconstruct them with them. But the problem is, is you also right. love them. But I will tell you, now that we've done a number of these, and we've done one story in particular a couple of times, mm -hmm. and as much as I love that story, 
I don't care how much you love it. I have new ways to rip it at the shreds no matter what. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. And it is interesting that like, as we've, as we've heard a couple of different stories, uh, we've taken, taken the different sides of it where people, when people say one thing to, uh, to explain why they like it. And it might be a different take than what somebody else has said. Uh, it's interesting to see Travis toggle back and forth or myself, uh, bobble the idea back and forth with them. And, uh, just kind of come up with a, a different way to look at the story and that they might never looked at it from before. Is it, yeah. Is there somebody between the two of you that's more analytical and someone that's more emotional about the stories that you're ripping apart? That's a tough question. I don't know, Travis, have you, have you noticed anything think, or is it more of a case by case? I think it's case by case the in the story. Like, and maybe even the guest. Yeah. Because it, it's whoever's matching up with the guest really in the story. The other one kind of, we've been really good at this so far, but one of us will take a back seat. If we realize the other one has the reins real well, mm-hmm. and then I'll interrupt him. Oh, wait, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, oh. <laughs> Interrupting cow. Vice versa. Oh. Same. I've done the same. That's funny. That's funny. Well, that's great, guys. That was a great episode with Grace. And I can't wait to hear more as it comes out. Of course, you guys are part of the Spoilerverse uh, network. So anything you guys need to help out, let us know. Yeah, We're here for you. I could use a Coca-Cola right now if you want to send that over. Uh, what should, do you want regular Coke or Mexican Classic. Coke? Oh. Classic. Oh. Right, Classic. <laughs> it's on the list. Amazon Prime, buddy. Amazon Prime. Let's do this. Prime. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys get like a do like this. A, a kickback from that? <laughs> I wish, man, <laughs> man, that would be amazing, right? Uh, we're using up all your that tape. Would be amazing, <laughs> right? Yeah, all of our tapes, yeah, all our tape using up, you're using it all up. This is expensive. Yeah, tape's expensive, man. Yeah, yeah. it's running the to... scene over and over again. We're cutting it right here. This is it. This is oh. going on your bill for the network charge. All right. <laughs> oh crap! The Tra- network bill of zero. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doubling your bill. <laughs> Good. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for coming on today to talk about Narrative Gunslinger. I really much appreciate it. I'm excited to see where it all goes. Me too. All right, Johnny. I think that's a show. Yeah, that's a show, man. Let's let's wrap this up. I got a uh, shit to do. You got really? shit to do. You what do you got shit to do, to do John? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's got shitting God, to do. Waiting for me. You me back. I can't even tell the stories that we've heard this week. Oh, God, don't, please. Just move. Yeah, that's the show. We're Moving good. on. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed what you heard today, uh, you should go back to spoilerverse.com and you can look up Narrative Gunslinger and see all the shows that they've released so far and hit some, you know, and then bring up your favorite podcatcher. Look up Narrative Gunslinger and it's, sound, it's spelled exactly how it sounds and hit subscribe and you'll get all their new shows as they come out. And it's, it's a lot of fun. As you can tell, they have too much fun and it's a great time for all of us. Now, if you like spoiler country and you like what you heard today and you like that type of banter and, or maybe you want to hear some more interviews, like maybe with the great Walt Simonson or Jerry Conway or Louise Simonson or even Marv Wolfman, then head over to spoilerverse.com again and you can look up all those people and give yourself your own virtual con just for yourself and have all the panels you could ever hope and wish to have, because we have over 350 episodes of just amazing, amazing episodes there for you to peruse. And right now 
there's nothing behind a paywall. So that's all free stuff for you to get through. And not only do we have podcasts like the Narrative Gunslingers and Spoiler Country, but we have Shooting the Sith and Bridging the Geekdom and Misery Point Radio. If you're a big music fan, then you want to listen to Mike Peacock and Misery Point Radio. Uh, he's got some great stuff. And we have a lot of of other things going on. John, you want to give them a rundown? Sure, yeah. We got articles coming out. We got pretty much daily reviews of comics, movies, TV shows, and articles on the paranormal, articles on what Jay Roach likes to have for lunch or his current workout routine or people he likes and doesn't like. It's it's always a good time with Jay. Dude, it's and American Splendor. It's American Splendor, yeah. He is Harvey Picar. Um, <laughs> you know, we got articles on what's coming out new from different comic publishers. We got articles on, you know, current and upcoming you know films and tv shows from from colton and from robert and myself and everybody else involved we got reviews from david uh david's currently doing a quarantine revenger series which is pretty fun where he rewatches the mcu and writes about it and you know there's just there's so much stuff there that you need to go there and you need to, to just check it all out and while you're there you need to go to that center button and click on that store link and on that store link goes to our t public store where you can p- pick up t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and face masks and all that fun stuff and uh, show your love and support look fly as hell while you're doing it and also help support us uh, to pay the bills Keep the lights on here a little bit. We get a little bit, little bit of kickback from those. Uh, not much, but a little bit, but it helps out. Everything you buy there helps out. And so you should do that. And can I, you want to tell them how they can uh, help us help with reviews and stuff? <laughs> sure. So if you like what you're hearing, do us a big favor. And whatever show that you're into on spoilerverse.com, get into your podcatcher, bring them up, and give them a review. It helps tremendously. You know, it helps them get on the algorithms with those different podcatchers to bring them up and to show some love and hopefully you'll get some of that back now before we go i just have one last thing to say johnny what's that in an oceans of podcast we are cthulhu and as cthulhu compels you to do open the mind and read more